The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. John the Baptist appeared, preaching in the desert of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was for him that the prophet Isaiah had spoken when he said, A voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. At the time, Jerusalem, all Judea, and the whole region around the Jordan were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan as they acknowledged their sins. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God can raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe lies at the root of the tree. Therefore every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I am baptizing you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is mightier than I. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, when we're encountering uh, new things in our life, it can be very easy to ask questions. Um, Ask questions because we don't know exactly what's happening. But sometimes when we're experiencing the old things that we've seen or we've heard or uh, we've experienced many times, we don't really have many questions. I know that was my experience going from the Catholic school K through 8th grade, and then going to religious education class in high school. I didn't have any questions because, well, I knew it all, right? Um, I think that can sometimes be our experience as Catholics a lot of the time, right? Why do we do something? Well, we just do something because that's what you do, right? Um, What does the scripture mean? What does the gospel mean today? Well, it means what it means, right? Uh, It just is what it is, Um, But that shouldn't be our attitude because it doesn't allow us to learn more. One of the big transformative moments for me was my sophomore year in college. I sponsored somebody for RCIA to get confirmed. And all the non-Catholics had all these questions. And I was like, well, why are you even asking questions? Like, There's no questions to ask, right? It's just, uh, but as they were asking the questions, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, what is the answer? And through their questions, I actually learned how to ask questions myself. Now, I hope that as you were listening to the first reading, that you had some questions. Because the first reading, even for myself, um, we don't have enough time to explain or really to, to dive into it because it's, it's all over the place. Um, Isaiah is an incredibly important book. It's, one of, it's actually the most quoted Old Testament book in the Gospel. Uh, But it includes so many prophecies 
um, and so many things that it, it can be very confusing. But it should, instead of shutting us down and being overwhelming, it should bring questions like, wait, what does that actually mean? Why are we reading that first reading today, right? Why are we reading this confusing first reading? But it's also important for us <clears throat> maybe to dive in to the gospel today and take a story that we already know and ask some questions. Now, of course, there's two extremes. One is that we already know it all and that we don't have any questions. But the other is that we don't have any context and we have so many questions that we can't even build on anything, right? Um, so when we hear John the Baptist, right, we should all have an understanding of who John the Baptist is, right? We've heard other stories about John the Baptist. And so we have some sort of context to know who he is, but also to recognize that we don't know everything about him, partly because Scripture doesn't have everything about him and that we ourselves don't know everything, right? And so when we hear John the Baptist, we should take those stories that we already know and apply it to him, but we should also be able to ask certain questions. And so one of the things that kind of strikes us as we're hearing about John the Baptist in the gospel, and I'm going to kind of go through and just ask some questions as we're kind of reading through it. So John the Baptist appeared preaching in the desert. So wait, in the desert, is he just preaching to sand, <laughs> to lizards? Uh, in the desert, that's not exactly a high population of people. Uh, so what exactly is John the Baptist preaching to? It says that he wore clothing made of camel's hair. Well, was that normal? <laughs> was, that, uh, was that like a beaver hat or was it, you know, uh, or was it unusual, right? It, it seems to say that they, they wanted to put it down. The evangelist, Matthew, who wrote the gospel, thought that it was important to write down that he had clothing made of camel's hair. Why was that? And he had a leather belt around his waist, okay? His food was locusts and wild honey. Well, that's certainly a little bit strange. Locusts, bugs, he's eating bugs and wild honey. Why not just honey, right? Is it because he's got to go and actually break down the hives and get stung by bees? Uh, was that normal food, right? Was that normal food for people? Now, at this point... We look at John the Baptist and we hear these different things and we can either say, well, that's just who John the Baptist is, right? Or we can start to ask the question, is this guy crazy, right? Is he off his rocker? And we should ask that question because John the Baptist is often kind of presented that way. I mean, he's out preaching in the desert. He's saying that the kingdom of God, you know, and we kind of like imagine the guy, you know, who says the end is near, you know, kind of, you know, just screaming out, you know. But, but what's interesting, and what I think we need to kind of ask the question, but then also put it in context, is that John the Baptist, even though that he seems pretty crazy, right? He, he's pretty radical. It seems like these different descriptions that they're giving of him is actually to delineate him that he's not normal. Right? He stands out. He's eating locusts and wild honey. He's out in the desert. He's preaching to who knows what. He's saying really strong things. He's calling out the Pharisees and Sadducees, right? These other things. But what's interesting is that if he was crazy, if he was mentally 
ill and deranged, um, he wouldn't have people following him, right? Many of those things seem like they would be things that people would say, yeah, John the Baptist, that's just that crazy guy, you know, down the street, right? He just says stuff, but we don't really pay attention to him. But instead, what we see is that John the Baptist is actually all, uh, it says at that time, Jerusalem, all of Judea and the whole region around the Jordan were going out to him. So instead of being a craziness that actually turned people off and made people walk away, this craziness seems to actually bring people to him, right? So it was crazy, but it wasn't that crazy. Or it was crazy, but it was convicting, right? What, what, what was so special about John the Baptist in the way that he spoke? Now, one of the questions... Um, that really struck me in this gospel as I was kind of preparing for this weekend was actually a question that I myself did not raise. I was reading a different resource and it, and it brought up this question. So the next line that it, after all of this, it says, when John the Baptist saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming out to his baptism, he said to you, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Now for ourselves, and what you might kind of hear in that is, is, of course, right? We know a lot about Scripture. And so we hear Pharisees and Sadducees and we say, well, those are the bad guys, right? Of course, John the Baptist is calling out the Pharisees and Sadducees. Those are the bad guys. Well, I think this is a place where our knowledge of the gospel actually, I think, hinders us. Because it doesn't allow us to ask the question. Now, the question that was raised that kind of struck me was, why does John the Baptist criticize the Pharisees and Sadducees? Why does he do that? Because the Pharisees and Sadducees are actually going out to John the Baptist for his baptism of repentance. So our question and assumption shouldn't just be, Oh, yep, the Pharisees and Sadducees are bad. Of course, John the Baptist is, is calling them out because he should. Instead, our question to make us go a little bit deeper should say, well, why is John the Baptist calling them out? I mean, the Pharisees and Sadducees aren't inherently evil um, in the sense that uh, they try to do good. They just lo- miss the main point in a lot of what they do. And so... We can, of course, bring forth different answers. And one of the answers, uh, one of the responses that I thought was uh, pretty fitting, although, you know, there are maybe bad answers to that question, uh, but there maybe there probably isn't a perfect answer, right? So this isn't exactly the perfect answer. We don't necessarily have scripture. But one of the possibilities of why John the Baptist was calling out the Pharisees and Sadducees is because the Pharisees and Sadducees weren't actually, even though that they were going out to the baptism of repentance, they were doing it more for public show than they were to really experience conversion, to really experience a renewal. They were going out because John the Baptist was garnering all this attention and they wanted to somehow steal some of that and to be a part of that. And so then as we look at it from that regard, 
Well, as we ask these questions, we ask these questions about the gospel, about the situation, but we also then transfer the questions and that the questions shouldn't just be for the gospel itself for 2,000 years ago, but then we transfer those questions to ourselves, right? Partly we can put ourselves in that situation, right? What would I do? But also to be able to say, how does that situation relate to me today? Well, one of the things that we have here today, um, I'm not wearing uh, camel's hair and eating locusts and wild honey, uh, but sometimes people might think, you know, a priest is a little bit crazy, right? Uh, he's celibate, right? He's given his life to the church. He, he preaches and sometimes doesn't really make sense, you know, right? But, but yet people come anyways, right? But, but why are people coming? Well, they're not really coming for John the Baptist. They're not really coming for the priest. They're coming for this baptism of repentance. We're coming here for the Eucharist, for Jesus Christ, for conversion, But are we, you know, kind of now thinking about the Pharisees and Sadducees, are we coming here with the right attitude? Are we coming here? I think most of us, right, we don't have the societal uh, necessarily pressure to be here that maybe in the past public show uh, could be, uh, you know, an influence of coming here. We don't necessarily have that. but, But why are we here, right? Why are we coming here? Now, hopefully, again, I think most of us have good motives. I don't want to question that. Uh, But we also recognize that a lot of us don't necessarily, in in all of our actions, have pure motives, right? And so maybe to kind of question, we want to question ourselves and kind of say, well, why am I here, right? Do I really seek Jesus, Do I really have a heart of repentance? And I think one of the important questions for us as Catholics, um, as we approach the Eucharist, is that we should approach the Eucharist not as something like the Pharisees and Sadducees, in kind of an attitude of entitlement, of kind of saying, well, everybody else is doing it, so uh, I'm so good that, of course, I get to do it too. Uh, Instead, it should always be with that proper attitude of repentance, of, of, of humility, right? of seeking conversion, of seeking that baptism. Now, we're not baptized uh, again and again, but receiving the Eucharist is like a baptism. It's a renewal of our baptism in a way that, it continually, uh, re- we, that we renounce Satan, And we choose Jesus Christ as we come up to receive the Eucharist. But we need to do that in the right attitude, the right spirit. And so we ask questions of ourselves as well. Again, not so that we question everything. We don't need to question everything about our life, right? But we also don't need to make assumptions about everything of our life as well. Somewhere in the middle, right? And of course, I I need to do this as well. It's it's not just all of you, right? It's all of us here as we approach Jesus Christ, right? Am I coming with the right attitude? Am I coming with a prepared heart, with a repentant heart, a humble heart, right? We start out Mass with that desire, right? Taking a moment to examine our conscience. How has this week been? Have we chosen Jesus Christ? Maybe we need to ask for his mercy, right? Maybe we need to go to to confession, 
And then, right before we receive the Eucharist, we always take that moment where the priest holds up the Eucharist and says, Behold the Lamb of God, behold Him who takes away the sins of the world. Right? And we say, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter into my roof. Right? But do we say that as just a show? Just as something that we say because that's what you say? Or do we say it because we mean it? Because we know of our need for God's mercy in our life. Certainly, these questions I don't want to be that it completely deconstructs you, right? But we know that we're here with good intentions, right? You want to say, well, am I malicious? Well, no, I, I haven't been malicious, right? So, so no, I, I have good faith, um, but somewhere in the middle, right? So that we can ask these questions, not so that we can run away, but so that we can hopefully go deeper, right? Go deeper and learn more about who Jesus Christ is, about what God seeks to speak, of, speak to us, and how he is calling us continually deeper to know him, to love him, and to serve him more in Scripture, in our life, and, in here, and here today within the Mass.